0: Well, good morning. Everybody going pretty good this morning? Got a good-looking group of youth here now, right here in the front. Let's give my a hand for being right up here in the front. See, some of you don't dare to come up front because you're afraid the preacher will spit on you, you know. It's good to be with you here at Goodlessville today. Lyle is out of town, he's in Louisville, and be prayerful for his process there, I'm privileged to be here with you today. I am second. Boy, that doesn't set well with Americans. Can you imagine an SEC coach starting fall practice or starting spring practice saying, now boys, this year in football we're going to try not to be number one. We're going to try just to be Behind the best. We're not going to try to do our best. We're going to try to be behind the best. It wouldn't last long, right? The American way is what? I'm first. As a matter of fact, we have become so driven by being first that there's become a slogan for our generation, and it includes all of our generation. Uh, Someone asked this morning, well, now, what is a senior adult? I said, a senior adult now for me is if you're over 90. That's come up some over the years. As a matter of fact, when my mother turned 40, I thought she was the oldest woman in the world. But now it's gone up. But whatever one of us, here is what Rick Warren classifies this generation as a generation who are independent... And individualistic. We want to be independent of God. We basically want to be independent of authority, even though we're dependent on them. And we want to say, well, what? It's all about who? It's all about me. Some time ago, I I teach on Wednesday night. And I have all ages, but primarily they're 40 and up. I said, you know, we could solve the debt issue if everybody who's getting any money from the government just agreed to reduce that amount by $100 each. And the senior adults who are drawing Social Security all looked around at each other and said, we're not going to do that. Then I read in the paper this week, if we could just collect the, if the IRS could just collect the taxes Of the people who work for the government, we'd be okay. We're in a mess as it comes to leadership across the board. We're all mixed up. Christianity is a reality of dependence and community. That's where I am second comes into play. We are totally dependent upon God. We have a place on the river, the Tennessee River. And I just love to go out there and watch the sun come up. It so happens that you can set in a given location and it comes right up. And I just marvel at the sunrise. I probably marvel at it more than I used to, you know, it's just automatic. But it's amazing how the God who created this whole universe figures out every day to raise that sun up and we can predict God. God is very, very predictable. They can say, well, the sun's going to come up at this time a hundred years from now. Why do they say that? Because God is so dependable and we need to depend on him if we're going to survive life and we need to depend on each other which brings in community jesus didn't establish the church for you a place for so that you'd have a place to go on sunday morning he established the church and the church is the only entity in all the universe that is designed to change hearts this is a heart surgery place, and we've come to examine our hearts, to look within, and see if we can be second. You see, we need, we're so dependent on God. God's number one, whether we believe it or not. And He has revealed Himself clearly in His Son, Jesus the Christ. And in Christ, we find all the resources for life. Now, this morning, what I want to do is look at the 21st century leader. We have trouble in America with leadership, right? We have trouble in the church with leadership, right? As a matter of fact, most people would say today the greatest need in the world The greatest need in America, the greatest need in the church is leaders. People are not comfortable leading anymore. Dads don't want to be dads. Moms don't want to be moms. Members don't want to be leaders. For years, I've taken this slogan. Only Jesus saves. That means he's number one. Acts 4.12. But another slogan that has been basic to my ministry over many years, every member is a minister. I could say every member is a leader. How's your leadership going? Because we find no evidence in the Bible that anyone was on the sideline. They were all leaders. As a matter of fact, if you study Acts 2, a time when Christianity was most persecuted, probably in the history of the nation, history of the world, although now it's being persecuted rather significantly. It grew the most because every member, every believer was a leader. And it says in Acts, 4, Acts two forty-seven, and they added to the discipleship group daily as people led people to the Lord. So we want to look at the 21st century preacher, 21st century believer. Now, I'm going to come up here and see if I can grab a hold of something to put my Bible on. And I know Lyle uh, does it a little different than I do. By the way, we need to pray for Lyle. He is in Louisville and uh, working in his doctoral program. And I want to thank you all for allowing him to do that. Uh, I wasn't in school as long as he... Well, I don't know. I was in school... I graduated from high school in 54. And I finished my academic work in 82. I'm a slow learner. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn them to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to talk about the 21st century leader. Now, for those of you who are older, you say, well, that's not me. If you're alive, that is you. If you're alive, that is you. I tell this story. I may have told it before. It impacted me early in my pastoral ministry, and I've just seemed to impact me more as the years went along. When I went to my first church out of seminary, 1970, went to a church, Kearney, Missouri, out of Kansas City, and was there. It was a great church. Had a great time there. When I got there, it was the first week in June, and they were having vacation Bible school. And then they had two-week Bible schools. We don't do that much anymore, but Bible school is still basic to the church. And we had a lady that was serving Kool-Aid and what? Cookies. Serving Kool-Aid and cookies. And she was there every day. There with her Kool-Aid and cookies. For the kids. And I asked about, well, who is that? That's Miss Kelly. Now, Miss Kelly, they tell me, is one of the wealthiest if it's not the, mo- the wealthiest lady in Missouri. Her husband had passed away. She lived in a very modest home. But she had a lot of finances. And she was just a treat to get to know. About two or three weeks after I got there, Miss Kelly had a stroke. And was primarily an invalid for the rest of my ministry there over some seven years. She never was able to come back to church. Never was able to serve any more cookies and Kool-Aid. So I visited her one day, and she was a delight to visit, but her physical body was weak, but her mind was sharp. And she apologized. She says, Brother Jed, I just hate that I can't come to church and be a part of the ministry there. I love to serve there. But said, here's what I I do. Every Sunday morning, when the service times at our church takes place, I turn off everything in my house. It's making any noise, the radio, the television, anything. And I pray for you for the hour you're in worship. She's still what? A leader. See, you can be a leader no matter who you are or where you are or what's going on in your life. That is a choice you make. You young people can be leaders. Middle-aged, senior adults, singles, marrieds You can be a leader wherever you're at, in your school, in your home. But that's a choice you make. And to be a leader in the Christian circle, to be a Christian leader, to be a spiritual leader, you have to understand that Jesus... Is always number one. Good friend of mine, Wade Akins. I asked him the other day. I said, Wade, uh, tell me some of the things that has kept you on the mission field for the last forty-five years. He is an international missionary, and is he's been that for forty-five years, and he is a, as excited and zealous about it now as he ever was. Works primarily in Africa and Asia. And I said, just write down some things. I was teaching a class at Union, and I said, we're we're studying leadership, and write down some things. He wrote down ten things. The first one is, he said, my devotional life. I'm into the Word of God And the Word of God is in me every day. So you can't ever be a leader without that. You can't just decide to be a leader under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ without the Word of God saturating your life. I'm talking to another leader I know, Denise Lopez, talking with her last night. And she said, the thing that's kept me in the ministry for over now, over 30 years, is this. The Word of God getting into the world of people. See, it's not complex. It's very simple. Another thing Wade said, be sure that you don't get in the way of God's glory. I have lots of. Grandkids I have four of them here that I allow if they behave. I allow Susan and Lyle to oversee, but I have others, and I love to watch them do things, you know. And uh, we have been into basketball. Basketball for the little ones is over now, but one day the the two of the I have triplets. They're first graders, and the Cade, the boy. Is playing on this team and he hadn't made a basket. You know, it's all about basket, all about putting the ball where? In the basket. And he made a basket. And who did he look at? His mom and his dad. He wanted what? Glory. Glory. We all kind of seek glory. If we seek our glory in our marriage, or as mom and dad, or as members of this church, we're going to always be in trouble. But if we seek to give God glory, we can move forward in whatever circumstance we're in, whatever age we are, and whatever reality is in our lives. So in these few minutes we're together, I want to give you some principles. I want to read. You have your Bibles. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's a translation I have really come to love. I put it up on the screen because I know some of you probably have other translations, and that's a good thing. But when we follow along, let's follow along with the same translation. You may want to look up on the screen or follow along in your Bible. 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 1. And now, a word to you who are leaders in the churches. I too am a leader and a witness of the suffering of Christ. And I too will share in His glory when He is revealed to the whole world, when He returns again. As a fellow leader, I appeal to you. Number one, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you're going to get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd, that's Jesus, appears, you'll receive a crown of everlasting or ever-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger ones, you younger men, must accept the authority of the leaders. And all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes or in some translation, God hates the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you in honor. Here's a tough one for us now. Give all of your worries and cares to God. You say that again. Give all. I ask that congregation one time, what does all mean? And a little child hollered out, all. That's what it means. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God calls you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you and he will place you in a firm on a firm foundation. And he closes that prayer which is a message from God with all power in him forever and ever. Amen. Some of you might take notes and if you take notes I'd like to give you first of all the first principle of being able to serve as number 2 or as I am second, is this. You've got to understand that the reality is this. Love those God has entrusted to you right now. Each of us are leaders. There's not a single person in this room that is not a leader in some way. It's not that you're going to be a leader and you have been a leader You are a leader. Whatever your situation is, in family, in church, in work, in school, in your community, in your recreation, every aspect, you are a leader. And that leadership has been entrusted to you. I say it this way, bloom where you're planted. So many people want someday, when things are just right, to be a leader. Hear me, we live in a fallen world and things are never just right. They never have been. They never will be. There's not a time when you're going to say, now that everything is just right, I'm going to lead. The reality is this, you need to lead right now. Bloom where you've been planted. If your children are small, If they're teenagers, if they're grown, if you have grandchildren, all of these things. If you're single, I've worked for years with singles. If you're young and a teenager, bloom wherever you planted right now. God will bless that. Make Jesus number one. And as you are guided by the power of the Holy Spirit, bloom where you planted. Secondly, Excel as an example for others to follow. Had a professor one time, the first time I'd heard this, he said, you need to understand there's more caught than taught. He's a professor at the seminary, Phil Briggs. And he talks about that over the course of the time I knew Dr. Briggs, and he's a great teacher. And you'd think, well, it's more what I teach you. No, he said, really, people learn more, they catch more by who you are than what you say. And that's what Peter is saying in this particular setting. If you reach back into, into Peter's life, you would find that many times he was not willing to be number two. He wanted to be number one until he understood The awesome love of God in Christ. When he encountered Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, on that seashore, and he realized God unconditionally in Christ loved him, he thought, okay, I can always be number two now. And he became a great leader in the church and in the first century because he caught the fact that Jesus loved him even though he had betrayed him, he had denied him, he'd walked away from him, he still loved him. There's more caught than taught. Thirdly, accept authority, and all of us are under some authority, with humility. There's a great little book that Karen and I have been reading, it's just entitled Humility. It's a good book to pick up, and it's an easy read. Pride lurks at the heels of every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what's going on in our lives. We can be a child. We can be a teenager. No matter who we are, pride is always lurking after us, wanting to take us down, wanting to. Keep us under the power of Satan himself because it was pride that took Eve down. It was pride that Adam followed, and pride is at the center of every sin you'll ever know, that you'll ever be a part of, that you'll ever see in the life of anyone. You can always identify that sin is centered in pride, and it lurks at the heels of every leader. Devote yourself to the power of God. God has given us certain power, but He has designed us to need His power source. We as Baptists have been reluctant to take on the power of the Holy Spirit for fear we would get radical with our faith. The idea without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and on your life and coming through your life, you cannot be an effective leader. Devote yourself to the power of God. For there ain't no power. There is absolutely no power like God's power. And in any age, under any circumstances, you can be empowered to do the great work of God. Every day, take your worries to God. If there were one thing... As a leader, I have seen good people major on worrying. Not bad people. They major on worrying. And worry is a dominant sin among every generation, but primarily among the generation I'm a part of. They can figure out something to worry about. If it's not their health, it's their wealth. It's not their health or their wealth, it's their family. And somehow or another, we forget the old song that we sang for many years, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But maybe the most important one of all of these I've mentioned is found in verses 9 through 11. Remain strong in your faith. I could tell many stories of this. won't take time to do it. But I see people who become stronger in crisis as they let their faith emerge in the midst of their crisis. I see others who, whose faith begins to dwindle. Here's what it says. So after you have suffered a little while, and all of us will experience suffering. We live in a fallen world, and suffering is a reality of the world in which we live. He, that's God in Christ, will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. The idea is this. God will restore you no matter what you've done if you give your need, your weakness, your strengths to Him. He will support you. He will undergird you and strengthen you. He will place us in Christ no matter what our situation is. I say these things to say this. God calls each of us to be a spiritual leader. And in some ways, if you're a believer, you are a leader. The question is, how's your leadership going? You dads, how's your leadership going? Are you the spiritual leader under Christ? Moms, how your leadership going? Is Christ number one? And as you're being second, are you serving your family under the banner of Christ, you children who always want the spotlight, are you willing in Christ to be a leader right where you're at? We're called to be leaders. We can complain. I read a lot about the criticism of leadership today. And if I said we we need better leadership in the nation, everybody will say amen. If I say we need better leadership in the church, everybody say amen. I said, well, how many of you are going to volunteer to be a leader right where you're at, in the circumstances you're in? Peter realized he had been a very poor leader. But in Christ, he realized the love of Christ was so strong He could be forgiven and move forward and be the leader God would have him to be. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's no way you can be a leader. You can't be a leader in your home. You can't be a leader where you work. You can't be a leader in the church. If Christ is not number one, you can't be a leader. But if you make Him number one, and become a servant under Him, you will lead everywhere you go, no matter what your circumstances are. I ask as we close: Would you commit afresh today to be the leader God would have you to be? You dad, just just bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In your circumstance, in your home where you work, here where you go to church, in your recreation, in your time off, your time on, in your retirement, from the work you put in so many years, would you say, Lord, I want to be a leader. I'm willing to be second. You lead me, and I'll be a leader. I'll take on whatever task you would have for me. I'll be a leader. I will excel as a leader. By the way I live. I will excel as a leader by as you empower me to lead. I will humble myself for the altar of your grace and I will lead. If that means change, I will change. If that means staying steady in the course where I'm at I'll stay, study the course where I'm at but I will lead Lord we thank you for this great church we thank you for its heritage we thank you for its present circumstance and we thank you for its future and I pray for every member of this church that they'll say I'm willing to be second in command I'm going to let Lord Jesus you be my leader And under your leadership, I am going to be a servant leader in the task you assign me, whatever it is. And I make a fresh commitment today to that leadership you call me to. And I make it in the name of Jesus. Amen.